Jeff Loveless, who is the writer of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, responds to the reviews that have been coming out about his movie, uh, and he doesn't seem to be too happy about it. He also talks about some deleted scenes and things that we could possibly be seeing later on down the line in the MCU, maybe in some Avengers movies. And today is new comic book day. That's right. JT is here to give us his top picks for March 1st. I'm your host, Amir, and this is the One in 100 podcast. All right. So before we get into this article from CBR.com, uh, let's just talk a little bit about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. OK, uh, if you haven't seen it by now, you know, this is spoilers. So, you know, I'm sorry, but just wait for it to come out on Disney Plus. You didn't really miss much. Uh, so right now, as I'm recording this, the critic score is still sitting at a 48 percent. That's with like 361 reviews. The audience score is sitting at 83 percent. And that's with 5,000 plus reviews. Uh, the movie made about $104 million opening weekend. The drop off was 69%, uh, which is the biggest drop off in MCU history. Uh, and it made around like 32 million this past weekend, which, you know, isn't bad, but you know, it's a big drop off for the MCU and how, you know, how they do things. Uh, there's been other movies that dropped off that much, you know, about 67%. Uh, they were all, we got Black Widow, we got Thor Love and Thunder, No Way Home, which doesn't count because like a billion people went to go see that movie opening weekend. Uh, Multiverse of Madness, they all dropped off around 67% their second weekend. But the thing with uh, this drop off is that it didn't really make that much money opening weekend. $104 million is a lot, but not for the MCU. You know, they have been used to making a lot of money opening weekend. Uh, and for this to be the, the kickoff for phase five, um, introducing a character like Kane the Conqueror and things like that, you would have hoped there would be a better response to this movie. Uh, but it, it just really wasn't, man. And Jeff Lovelace, you know, he responded to the critic reviews on a, a podcast called The Daily Beast. Uh, and what he said was, I was pretty low uh, those were not good reviews. And I was like, what the heck? Uh, he went on to state that he was really proud of what he wrote for Jonathan Majors, who plays the villain Kang the Conqueror, uh, and for Michelle Pfeiffer, who plays the scientist Janet Pym. Uh, I thought the stuff that he wrote or that I wrote was really good. Um, and I'll stop right there. You know what? It was good, man. You did do a great job writing their story and uh, giving details about, you know, how they knew each other as far as being in the quantum realm and things like that. You kind of, you fleshed that story out pretty well, but the problem is it is, it wasn't Janet Pym and Kang the Conqueror, uh, quantum mania. <laughs> it wasn't their movie. Uh, it did not feel like an Ant-Man movie. It didn't feel like Paul Rudd. He didn't have that, you know, that funny thing that he does. The wasp wasn't really, in the movie that much you know she was really like a side character and for her name to be on the title is just like damn she doesn't seem like she's really important in this movie so i think that's what the problem was with a lot of these reviewers like they were kind of expecting it to be a little bit more ant-man and the wasp focus and they got a lot of jonathan majors and they showed him a lot of love 
but the rest of the movie just didn't hit. And I, and I, and I feel for you, sir, there are people that enjoyed the movie, but there are people that didn't enjoy the movie. And you can really tell that because of the second weekend drop off. Nobody really ran out and told their friends and family like, Hey, take the kids to go see this movie. Hey, go on a date, go check this movie out. That's something that the MCU used to do very well was have, you know, the word, uh, the spreading of the word around the, the communities and, you know, go see this movie that hasn't been the case for a long time, even in phase four, um, you know, with Black Panther, people were, you know, go see it. But they were really saying go see it because it's like a tribute to Chadwick Boseman, not because of what it does in the MCU. So we got, you know, we got some things to work on with the MCU. And I'm wondering, which we'll talk about uh, later on in the show. Uh, there were some things that were cut out of the movie. And I'm wondering if those things would have helped make the movie better or make the movie worse. I'm not sure, but there is one thing that I will talk about a little bit later uh, as far as Kang the Conqueror goes. But with that said, let's kick it over to JT and find out what his top picks were for this week's new comic book day, March 1st. JT, what's going on, big homie? Another busy week for you, huh? Yeah, man. I mean, everything's good, Amir. Hey, everybody. Listen, this week actually is not that bad oh, compared nice. to what's going to be happening next week. Because this uh, week, I have maybe three books I picked up. Next week, I got like 12. And I got to oh, have to boy. figure out which ones are going to be, you know. But first up on the list is King Spawn number 20. And, you know, this book's been solid since issue one. Uh, Sean Lewis is consecutively delivered as a writer on this. You've got Javi Fernandez is doing the art. Um, in this book, we have, you know, some old school um, Spawn characters are back. Sam and Twitch, the New York City detectives. And they're working with Terry Fitzgerald, who, if you know, if anybody who doesn't know, is Spawn's best friend. He's also Wanda Blake's uh, second husband after Al died, and he had a daughter with her, Cyan. So it was kind of a complicated story, but not really as far as relationships go. But anyway, the cool thing about this issue is we basically start off with action, and it's one of those things where you have a company, the Exodus Foundation, and they're trafficking in human body parts, Right mainly people's minds and the funny part oh, is is that they're doing it <laughs> they're doing it because the experimentation is to see how the mind works when it comes to faith mm. and it's just like a really interesting read and the courier is like in my man's book and he got cops behind him but he's seen calm cool and collected and he's talking to somebody on the phone and about oh yeah you know when she gets there you know, and this some mysterious woman that's in the shadows that and he's talking to his sister about this woman. So you never see who she is. And then Spawn like comes out of nowhere and he like uh, gets a hold of this guy. But then the guy drops something and Spawn stops in his tracks. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is, but it was just a little looks like a photo. And he just stood there. And then hmm. the guy takes off and he escapes. Wow. I mean, there's more to the story, but obviously I always try to encourage people to pick up the book and read it and enjoy. And I think if you do, you will not be disappointed. For all the Spawn fans out there, you're definitely going to enjoy this book. Next up, we've got Star Wars number 32, written by 
the great Charles Soule, as always, my man is, you know, he's delivering ever since his days at Daredevil, but he spent mm-hmm. a lot of his time now writing for Star Wars. Yeah. So now this is basically a continuing story where we find our heroes. It's Lando, Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, the, the usual subject, suspects. And they're in this place called No Space. They're trapped there, right? And the whole thing is, is that there is this thing where they're trying to get the captain in No Space to realize that Chewbacca, being the engineering genius he is, might have a way to fix their their problem and get them out of there. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, you guys need to just reside to the fact that we're all trapped here and this, that, and the next thing. And, you know, but, you know, we'll let you guys try. The thing is, is that the piece that they need to make this work is basically on the other side of the station. And it's guarded by these basically kill bots. I mean, they don't even hide it. Their names literally are kill bots. So, yeah. So basically they end up having to fight their way in, you know, try to get this piece and all while they're doing this in space. So there's like virtually no gravity and there's no oxygen. So they're doing this Hmm. in suits and they're battling these killer robots. And it's actually pretty cool. It was actually a really cool read. I'm looking forward to the next issue. I want to see how this plays out because it, it gives you more, it expands more on the Star Wars mythos. So mm-hmm. you see these like side stories that happen between like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And basically that's where this storyline is taking place is between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Nice. So there's a lot of filler story, but it's it's a really good read. Uh, last one was like a last minute pickup and it was Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. Oh, Now okay. this one's written by Stephanie Phillips. Mm-hmm. And the artist Juan Cabal. And Juan Cabal is a solid artist. So yeah. um, I picked it up because, you know, Donnie Cates' creation, which is Cosmic Ghost Rider, is um, obviously is what this, this, this story is about. Um, and for anybody who does not know, Cosmic Ghost Rider was introduced in Thanos number 13, where Donnie Cates had taken over the run from, I believe, Jeff Lemire. And it was a it was an amazing read um, for the I think it was a total of eighteen total of eighteen issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cosmic Ghost Rider was like one of the last people left on Earth, and you know he had made a deal with Mephisto, I believe, and so he was he was Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. So he was originally Ghost Rider, but then Galactus shows up and he turns him into Cosmic Ghost Rider. And to top it all off, this it turns out it was Frank Castle. So now the Punisher is cosmic yep. ghost rider and like a from an alternate universe and it's actually a really cool you know premise so fast forward we have this story that is taking place where we see who's supposed to be cosmic ghost rider and he like murks a bunch of dudes and then frank castle wakes up he's still mm-hmm. old frank it's still the cosmic ghost rider frank he wakes yeah. up then he interacts with a few people, and then that story continues. But then he wakes up again. So it's like, was he dreaming the entire thing, or is there another Ghost Rider, or guys in Inception? What's the story? Yeah, right. And it, and it was actually a really fun read. Like it was interesting enough that I'm actually going to pick up the second issue because you know, it, it, it's like anything else. If it doesn't wow. You with the first issue, comics yep. are, are yep. a little pricey, 
for entertainment. And, you know, we all have to kind of be careful what we, what we spend our money on every week. But I can honestly say it was a good enough read and it was a solid enough story, interesting enough to me, especially being a cosmic character that I want to see how this plays out. But those are actually my um, top three reads for this week. Um, Next week, speaking of cosmic characters, uh, we've got Silver Surfer Ghostlight number two out. So I'm definitely looking forward to reading that. I read issue one. You got that? Yeah, yeah. Um, for all for all the speculators out there, Wakanda number four, second print with uh, Tosin and his girlfriend should be out next week as well. Anybody interested in that? Um, obviously, Static number two is going to be out. So hopefully you guys will tune in to uh, catch those reviews. And as always, remember to support your local comic book shops. That's how this hobby continues. And, you know, keep it 100. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, JT. See you next week, brother. Thanks again to JT for giving us those great reviews on some of those dope books, man. Listen, if if you like any of those books that he was talking about and they pique your interest, go hit up the comic book shop in your area See if they got these books, man. Sign up for a pull list, man. The only way we can continue this hobby is if we go hit up the shops, okay? We got to get in there and get some of these books. Also, like he said, don't spend all your money. Be picky with your money, though. (laughs) But uh, let's get back into this Jeff Loveless story. Uh, He was making his rounds, man. He was doing interviews everywhere uh, and leaving quotes and everything all over the place, man. And um, this this article came from the direct uh, and they were talking about deleted scenes or scenes that were removed from the script, whether they were filmed or whether they were still on paper. Uh, And the first one that that I want to talk about that he mentioned was a few scenes with uh, Evangeline Lilly. She plays Hope. Uh, She's the Wasp. Okay, she's in the title of the movie, her character. Uh, And he talked about how. First off, he laughed this one off because they asked him about how there was a scene where she had long hair and she had children of her own and everything like that. And he talked about it and he said that there was a lot more uh, in this movie than what the, you know, the viewers got to see. Obviously, things got cut and everything like that. But there's a there's a moment in the movie where we get to see Hope's perspective of the multiverse and what she sees in the multiverse, which is interesting, man. So they were going to be diving a little bit deeper into the multiverse and how this affects uh, everyone else. You know, like we always see only certain perspectives and now we get to see how this affected her perspective. So I would have enjoyed seeing that a little bit, being that she is one of the stars of the movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, He also mentioned that um, there's some things that may pop up later on in other Avengers movies, especially dealing with hope or uh, the wasp and and her perspective of, of the, the uh, quantum realm and the multiverse and things that he couldn't talk about. So I'm like, I'm trying to understand why uh, Marvel doesn't allow certain movies just to be, you know, the whole movie, like give us the experience because sometimes when they cut things out, It really makes the movie look a little choppy. It makes the movie seem like out of place. And when you watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, it seemed like she had nothing to do with this movie other than just being there to help fight. 
Um, and I was really hoping to see a little bit more of her in this movie. And then he also talks about Jeff Loveless. He also talks about Kang the Conqueror and how there's actually more backstory uh, for Kang the Conqueror, but he feels like it would better serve in uh, Avengers movie, uh, which is interesting to me because when I saw this movie, it felt like it should have been called Kang the Conqueror or Rise of the Conqueror or something. Like it felt like the movie should have just been about him. But check out this quote here. Um, when asked about things that were cut from the movie, uh, he said lots of stuff. One in particular there's a little more Kang backstory that I think is probably better served for Avengers, uh, where he's going, where he's been, all that kind of stuff. Now, <laughs> bro, you should have just put this in your movie. You should have just put this in your movie because it's probably going to be out of place somewhere else. You know, it's like when we get an introduction of a character, man, just go all out, man. Build this character up to be the big bad. Make us want to care about this character make us want to come back and even see this movie i feel like sometimes the mcu gets in their own way uh you know what i can't even just say this just about the mcu the dcu also there's times where they get in their own way where they're removing things or they're adding too much you know and it's like if we want this genre of hero superhero movies to be around Marvel and DC really have to get it together because they are the cream of the crop. Um, but right now they just, they just nothing right now, <laughs> uh, as far as both companies go and, and we'll see where they go in the future. Uh, but man, there was so much that I would have loved to see in these things that they cut from the movie. Just really make me wonder, you know, is this for long? Is the MCU going to be for long when they're just trying to get so much perfect all the time and trying to continue to tell this, you know, through line connecting story? Sometimes it gets in the way. Um, I mean, we even saw this with Black Panther Wakanda forever. There's a lot of deleted scenes with Okoye that probably would have made this movie a, a lot better for a lot of people. Um, but when you remove scenes, you, you, you gotta be picky with what you're taking out. And they took a lot of good stuff out of that movie, Wakanda forever. And it seems like they did the same thing with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. but that'll do it for today's episode of the one in 100 podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, hopefully we get some more news as far as what's going on in the MCU and the direction of trying to go. Uh, so just stay tuned with us with that. Me and Kay will be back on Saturday. Uh, so make sure you tune in. We'll be going to be talking about MCU, DCU and all comic related things and some music stuff. But with that said, man, I appreciate you guys tuning in, hit that subscribe button, tell your friends to tune in and uh, yeah, be good to yourself and be good to others. I'm your host, Amir, and this is the one and 100 podcast. <laughs>